0: Fourth chapter, starting with verse 11. Philippians 4:11 through 13. In the Pew Bible, if you're reading from the Pew Bible, I think you can find those scriptures on page 8,52. who's strengthened me. May God bless the hearers and doers of his word. Thanks, Bob.
1: It's good to see you this morning. Um, I have a request. Many of you like to take notes. My request is, why don't you just listen to this lesson? If you do have to take notes, if this is something that you really just, I I just can't, can't listen to a sermon without writing something down, my recommendation is just write the scripture references because there will be a lot of information coming at you on the screen and if you try to write it all down, you're going to get frustrated. I'll just, I'll just tell you that right now, okay? I'm really glad to see you this morning. Most people are thinking a lot about money these days whether you go to the grocery store, whether you go to the pharmacy, whether you go to the gas station, everything costs more than it used to. Inflation is everywhere. And not only that, but this week was tax week for all of us. And if you didn't pay your taxes early, you had to get your taxes in this week, your income tax. And not only that, but if you're a property owner, you probably have recently received from the state of Texas, your property assessment, the, the, uh, the estimation your appraisal for your house and how much that's going to cost you this year to live in your house. All over the place people are thinking about money and it's on our minds maybe more than it has been in years past. We need to give thought as Christians to the virtue, the biblical virtue of contentment. Benjamin Franklin said, contentment is that principle that makes poor men wealthy and discontent is that vice that makes wealthy men poor. You think about that, when it comes to what we have, when it comes to the things that we possess, isn't it amazing how much money and stuff and things consumes our time and our attention? Even as Christians, isn't it interesting how much we think about wealth? As New Testament Christians, we need to think about God's word and the virtue of contentment is taught in the Bible. And what I'm going to do with our study this morning is first this, we're just going to define what is contentment, biblically speaking, because when the world talks about contentment, they say, you know, you just need to be content with what you have. Just, just recognize that things are enough. But the Bible goes a step further. Here is a way of thinking about biblical contentment. It has to do with being at rest in your spirit regarding things, regarding stuff, regarding money, being at rest in your spirit. And that's where the world stops, right there. They put a period at the end of the word things on the screen and they're done. But Christians, if you follow the Lord, if you believe in him and trust him, the reason why we can be at rest in our spirit regarding things is because we trust God and his promises. We can be at rest regarding things because we have a relationship with our heavenly father. He knows our needs and he's the God who takes care of the sparrows and he's the God that clothes the lilies of the field and if he would do that for those flowers and those sparrows how much more value are you? You can be content because of him and because of the promises that he makes. When we talk about biblical contentment that's what we're talking about. And when contentment is present in our lives, as we think about this as a definition, when it's present in our lives, think about what it does. When we can be at rest in our spirit regarding things because of the fact that we have a relationship with God, it allows us to follow Jesus fully. The rich young ruler came to Jesus and wanted to know how to inherit eternal life. And Jesus said, Go and sell all that you have and then come follow me. You'll have treasure in heaven. And that rich young ruler, he went away sorrowful because he had many possessions. He would not follow the Lord, not fully, because of what he had. Not only that, but it allows us to love others freely when we have contentment. I can rejoice with those who rejoice. I can be happy for others who do well. I can encourage people and I can bless people because of the fact that I am at rest in my spirit regarding things thanks to my relationship with God. And when we have contentment biblically, when it's present in our lives, it allows us to grow personally. We're not focused on money and stuff and possessions all the time. Instead, we can focus on God and our relationship with him. We can focus on his kingdom. We can grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Second Peter 3, 18. But as we think about this definition, being at rest in our spirit because we love God and because we have a relationship with him and because of his promises, we can be at rest regarding things. What happens when it's absent? When contentment is absent from our lives, what's the result? Brothers and sisters and friends, when it's absent from our lives, we are by definition serving a different master. Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. Jesus said that, and he's talking about people who are constantly anxious and worried about stuff. Nobody can serve two masters. You got to pick one. Not only that, but we are poor representatives of Jesus Christ. A Christian who is always obsessed by money and always obsessed with having more or always obsessed with having enough, you know, expressions of discontent can be found in a lot of different places in a lot of different ways. Simon the sorcerer in Acts 8 verse 21, he wanted that gift that the apostles had and he wanted to know, can I buy that with money? Is that possible? I need more. Peter said, your heart is not right in the sight of God. You need to repent, Peter. Peter. Repent, Simon, because of the way that you're treating the Lord and his gifts. When we do not have contentment biblically, we're going to have a constant fear and anxiety about things. I would imagine that I'm not the only one that struggles with this in the room. I would imagine that when it comes to things that are happening around us in our culture regarding finances and money and things like, I'm not the only one that thinks about these things. Jesus said in Luke 12, 15, you take heed and you beware. For this reason, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. It just doesn't. Your life is not about what you have in your bank account. It's not about how much you have in your wallet. Your life has very little to do with those things except to the extent that those things show how you are a good steward of what God's placed in your hands. When contentment is absent, brothers and sisters and friends, Jesus says in the parable of the soils that the word of God, because of the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things, they choke the word just like weeds choke a good plant. Mark chapter four and verse 19. And in many of our lives, it's possible that the desire for other things or the cares of this world will choke out the fruitfulness of that God intends for you to have. Contentment is being at rest in our spirit regarding stuff, regarding things, because we know God. Biblical contentment. Let's talk about three major New Testament passages this morning. Get your Bibles, if you will, and you can mark these in your Bibles. They're well worthy of your attention and your study. I'm going to put them on the screen, but it would be good for you to see it in your own Bible. This is the word of the Lord to you. Pay attention to these three passages. Number one, Philippians 4, 11 through 13, the passage that Will read just a moment ago. The Apostle Paul was under house arrest in Rome, writing the book of Philippians. And he's telling his brethren that he's thankful for the gift that they sent to him, but he wants them to know that he would have been fine without the gift. He's not trying to discount the gift or say that it wasn't important or wasn't worthwhile, but he does want them to know that the virtue of contentment is present in his heart. He wants you to know that this is what it means to follow Jesus Christ. He says... Philippians 4 verse 11, I am not speaking of being in need, I have learned, he says, in whatever situation I am in to be content. If you stop Paul and ask him on the road anywhere in his life, Paul, are you content? He would say, I'm learning how to be content. I can be at rest in my spirit regarding things, material things, because I have a relationship with my heavenly father, because he's made promises to me. And whether I have a lot or whether I have very little, whether I have plenty to eat or whether I even go hungry at times, I can be content because Jesus is a part of my life. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. There may well be time in our future where we learn to be abased, where we learn to do without. And one of the questions you have to answer as a Christian, as a child of God is, am I gonna obsess about stuff and things and material things so much that it takes me away from my primary calling, my primary purpose in this world? Am I going to become so focused on things and stuff and having what I think is enough, what I think is plenty? Am I going to become so focused on that that it takes me away from my relationship with God? Paul says, being content, it's not just a mental decision you make, it is something you learn. And I believe this, I believe if Paul could come back and talk to us right now today, he'd say, I learned the most about contentment in the hard times. I learned about how to be content when I was shipwrecked on that island. I learned how to be content when I was in prison for crimes I did not commit. I learned how to be content when I had to do without. But I'm thankful when God blesses me. Being at rest in your spirit regarding things because of your relationship with God. Second passage, turn to 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 through 8. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. Interestingly, this is a passage written to a preacher, someone who preaches the gospel. Timothy was a young disciple of Jesus Christ and he was a worker, fellow laborer with the apostle Paul. And 1 Timothy is written so that Timothy knows what his calling, what his charge is in the city of Ephesus as he preaches in the church there. And there are some people who think that godliness is a means of gain, Paul writes in 1 Timothy 6, verse 5. But then watch this. In 1 Timothy 6, verse 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. We just need to stop right there. When the Bible says something is gain, we pay attention. When the Bible says something is great gain you should really perk up your ears and pay attention. There is something that is great gain and God wants you to have great gain. What is it? It is godliness. A desire to follow God. A desire to be his servant. A desire to live for him. Godliness. A desire to imitate him in all my ways. To be just and righteous and holy and fruitful. That's godliness. But then you take godliness and you add to it this contentment, this being at rest in my spirit regarding things and possessions because I have a relationship with my heavenly Father. You add godliness to contentment and the apostle says it is great gain. That's a promise. And I dare say it's a promise that many people, even New Testament Christians, have not really tried to put into practice. You've not really realized what great gain is all about because you haven't really tried to be godly and content on a consistent basis. But that's what the Bible tells us. And if you continue, it says, reasoning, you brought nothing into the world. And when you leave this world, you're not taking any of it with you. And then the apostle writes this, but if we have food and clothing With these, we will be content. In other words, he's saying you can find contentment in any situation so long as you have something to eat and something to wear. You have those things, you can be content. It's humbling to stop and think about how many people, that's all they have. How many people live in this world and all they have is something to eat and something to wear? And some of them don't even have those things. As we live in this country and we deal with immense wealth and immense opportunity, we ought to repent sometimes of what we worry about and what we think is so important. Third passage. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews 13, and I want you to look at verses 5 and 6. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6 we think about being at rest in our spirits regarding stuff and money and things. The Bible tells us repeatedly, be at peace, be at rest in your spirit regarding these things. Hebrews 13 verse five, the apostle writes, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Those are two sides of the same coin, you see. Keeping my life free from the love of money and being content with what I have, it's saying the same thing a different way. There is a constant desire in many of our hearts to have more and better and new and to keep up with other people and to have as much as the people next door. There's this constant desire. It's just what money does to us. And the writer of the Hebrews, of the book of Hebrews says, keep your life free from that. Be content. And here's why. Here's where I got the definition from, by the way, that I gave you in the first point. Being at rest in your spirit regarding things because he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's why you can be content. That's why you can be at rest in your spirit regarding things because God has promised, I will not leave you, I will not forsake you. So we can confidently say, with confidence now, not just say it meekly, not just say it, well, maybe this is true. I can confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. He's talking about money, folks. He's saying, when it comes to your money and it comes to your stuff, don't be afraid. I will not fear, what can man do to me? We need as the people of God to read these promises and claim them in our lives because it is a poor representation of New Testament Christianity when we are living our lives and making all of our decisions based on money and stuff. It's wrong for us to do that. We don't show Christ likeness when that's who we are every day. Be content with what you have be free from the love of money. Next, what hinders contentment in your life and mine? What is it that keeps us from being at rest in our spirit regarding stuff because of our relationship with God? How about a failure to trust that God's gonna provide? Isn't that what Abraham said? Father, where's the sacrifice gonna come from? The Lord will provide, Genesis 22, verse eight. God sent Elijah, his prophet, out there to the brook and said, the ravens are gonna feed you, Elijah. You just stay put. I'm gonna make sure that you are provided for. There's also in our minds a failure to let go or to do without. I've heard the story and I don't know whether it's true or not, but preachers use this all the time. The monkey that puts his hand in the jar and grabs hold of the banana. He will not let, hold, let go of the banana and no matter what you do, he's trapped. He won't let go. He could be free if only he would let go, but he won't. And there are people that live their lives that way. I could be free to serve the Lord. I could, I'm like the rich young ruler. If I would just let go, if I would just go and sell that, what I have and give to the poor, I could follow Jesus Christ, but I'm not going to do it. I have great possessions and these mean a lot to me. And what would I do without them? And what would people think if I made that decision? And what would people think if I changed and did things differently? What if I don't act like everybody else when it comes to money and things and stuff? What if they don't see me doing things that are normal or acceptable? Failure to let go hinders us. The desire to have what others do. It's hard not to compare, isn't it? It's hard not to look around and see what others have and what others are getting and what's changing in others' lives. And especially as you progress through life, you know, those of us that are getting older, you kind of look around you and you see where other people are in life. They've been in their careers and you've been in your career for a little while and kind of compare and kind of measure. Keeping up with the Joneses, so to speak. Not the literal Joneses, but you understand what I mean. There's a whole bunch of Joneses in the, in the audience. It's important for us. Not to compare, but to be content. How about boredom? Boredom oftentimes is a manifestation of sinful pride. Boredom is sometimes saying... I deserve to be entertained. I deserve to have excitement in my life. I deserve to have something better than what I have right now. And it's like those philosophers in Acts 17, verse 21. They gathered together every day, and their only purpose in gathering was to hear some new thing. And a lot of people are bored in their lives, and it's a manifestation of sinful pride, their boredom is. The world doesn't revolve around us, but we sometimes act like it does. How about people that take on voluntary and excessive debt? It's a trap that every one of us is in danger of falling into, especially in this country. You can get all kinds of stuff right now if you'll just sign here on the dotted line. If you'll just take out this loan or that mortgage. Voluntary and excessive debt. The book of Proverbs tells us and warns us when you are in deep debt, you are in a trap. And it says, do your best, do your best diligence to get out of that because it's tough to stop worrying about money and stuff and things when that's what we've done. Hindrances to contentment. What about the blessings of it? I mean, wouldn't it be nice for us to be able to be at peace, at rest in our spirit regarding stuff, regarding things because we had a relationship with Jesus Christ, because we have and trust the promises of God? Wouldn't it be nice to have that in our lives? I'll tell you what the blessings of contentment are all about. They're all about freedom, brothers and sisters and friends, freedom to do what really matters. We have, when we are content, the freedom to have a generous spirit, an open hand, an open heart, Acts twenty thirty it is more blessed to give than to receive. I believe one of the reasons why that's true is because when we are able to give generously and willingly and cheerfully, it shows a measure of contentment in our spirit. It's a blessing. Freedom to make kingdom decisions and not financial ones. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He's talking about money. And all these things will be added to you, what you wear, what you eat, that's that's Jesus talking in Matthew 6:33. I have preacher friends that over the years have desired to go and do really important things in the kingdom of God. They, they really had a strong desire to maybe go to a mission field or they had a strong desire to go to a, a place that maybe wasn't able to pay them as much as where they were and because they had made some foolish decisions financially, they were just not able to do those things that they purposed in their hearts that they wanted to do. Maybe you've heard of situations like that. The freedom to make kingdom decisions rather than just having to make financial decisions. Contentment. Freedom from anxiety regarding the future, Hebrews 13, five, be content. Because God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's nice to be able to say, I have a God who is my helper. What can man do to me? How about the freedom to love people? Love your neighbor as yourself. You think about that good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10, what he did. It cost him a lot to help the man that was beaten and left for dead. He had to take of his own means and his own provisions and use his own animal to bring this man to an inn. And then when he got to the inn, he paid the innkeeper and said, look after this man, take care of his wounds, bind him up and, and I'll pay you what I owe when I come back this way. He could not do that unless he had been content in his spirit regarding things. He couldn't have really helped that man. How about when we are content at rest in our spirit regarding things, the joy that comes from knowing God and just being at rest in him. I like that song that Tom led that I didn't know either Tom, you know, this morning, in the Lord alone, Did you listen to the words as you were singing, as you were kind of learning the tune? In the Lord alone are things like joy and peace and fulfillment and contentment. Those kinds of things are found in the Lord alone. Psalm 16, verse 11, the psalmist writes, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In your presence, O God, is the fullness of joy. Jeremiah 9, 23 says it this way. Let not the wealthy man glory in his wealth, but let him who glories glory in this, that he knows and understands me, says the Lord. He knows who I am. He has a relationship with me. Let him glory in that. And that is worthwhile. And when we have contentment regarding things in our heart because of the promises of God, because we trust him and believe him, we have a joy that is difficult to describe because of the God that we serve. Cultivating contentment. Maybe you listen to all this and you say, Brother John, I I hear what you're saying. I hear what the Bible says. but..." What practical steps would God have me to take if I want to pursue this blessing of contentment that God offers? You know, these are promises, Philippians 4, 1 Timothy 6, Hebrews 13, other passages. These are promises that God makes. God's saying, I'm gonna take care of you. You learn to be content. you like Paul. Sometimes you're gonna be abased. Sometimes you're gonna abound. Sometimes you're gonna do with little. Sometimes you're gonna do with a lot. You learn to be content in whatever situation you find yourself and I will bless you, God says. How do you cultivate that? How do you pursue that? Three suggestions and the lesson is yours. Number one, we may need to confess some things to God. We may need to go home this afternoon and get on our knees and tell God, listen, I've been God, I've been so wrapped up in stuff and money that I have been blinded to a lot of things that are really important. God forgive me for that. That's a start. First John 1 verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins. That's what Simon the sorcerer did after he tried to buy those gifts, remember? Simon confessed and said, pray to the Lord for me that the things that you said aren't going to happen to me. Maybe God will forgive me of my sin. We may need to confess some things to God regarding where our hearts have really been. Second. We need to give thanks for blessings that we've already received. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Count your many blessings, name them one by one. It almost sounds trite, but it is some of the best advice you will ever, ever receive from God's word. Sit down and think about what you do have and stop thinking so much about what you don't and give thanks to God genuinely and enthusiastically for what he has blessed you with. It's a pathway to contentment. And third, there's a question every single one of us needs to ask. This question is important. This question is not a question you need to ever forget. This question is so important, it is so challenging, you can ask it anytime, anywhere, And the answer is going to be life changing. This question is of that much importance. If you want to find contentment, if you want to find joy and peace regarding things because of your relationship with God, ask this question. The question is simply this Is God's grace sufficient for me today? I'm not talking about next week. I'm not talking about next year. I'm not talking about what the stock market is or isn't going to do. I'm not talking about what your property taxes are or are not going to do. I'm asking this question, is God's grace sufficient for me today? Has God given me what I need today? Give us this day our daily bread, remember? Do not worry about tomorrow, sufficient for the day are its own troubles, Matthew 6, 34. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power, God says, is made perfect in your weakness, 2 Corinthians 12, verse nine. Is God's grace enough for me today? And I guarantee you, if you learn to ask that question and use that question, it will change your attitude about everything. You can be at peace in your spirit regarding things and stuff and money because his grace is sufficient. Every single one of us needs to think about the fact that we are fighting a spiritual battle and in Katy, Texas in 2022, the battle that most of us are fighting is a battle of which master are we gonna serve? Are you gonna serve God or are you gonna serve unrighteous mammon? No one can serve two masters. Maybe you need to respond to the gospel this morning or maybe you want to ask for prayers. If you need to respond to the gospel, put on Christ in baptism, do it now, do it today, don't delay, but if you need to ask for prayers, we're happy to help you with that as well. If we can help you in any way, won't you make your way down the aisle while together we stand and while we sing?